All right, I'm recording this a little early. This is uh, September 10th, right? Just before 11 o'clock here in Pacific time. Uh, yeah, I'm recording this early, just right after the UFC 203. I just watched a post-fight uh, conference, press conference, uh, whatnot. Um, yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to get the thoughts out uh, before, you know, I I just forget what I was gonna say in a few days. So, yeah, so. I'm recording this early. Um, I'm not gonna go through every single fight that happened and analyze like the analysts and experts out there because that that's not the point. And there's a plenty of analysts who can do that. So, uh, yeah, I'll just walk through it quickly from what I saw and how I felt and all that. And I have a bit of a different take on the whole CM Punk thing. I'll get that in a little bit from the fighting perspective and from the just the story perspective. Why I found this event fascinating. So. I've been I've been following UFC and whatnot for a while, but it's just more recently that I started watching it again. But uh, anyways, so it, this is like a fourth consecutive uh, pay-per-view show that I saw, and I I miss majority of the not majority the first half of the main card because uh, uh, I couldn't find the right stream. I didn't pay for it. I didn't feel like it's worth sixty dollars. Uh, for a bit of a freak show card or just a knockout that might not be entertaining, and uh, yeah, and I wanted to see you know the women's fights and whatnot, but couldn't see it. So what I started seeing is from the Raja Favor versus Jimmy Rivera, and yeah, Rivera beat him um, in a decision. It's kind of sad watching Raja Favor these days, you know. Um, I understand he's a marketing name and whatnot, but uh. He's getting old, man. So he's not. It it just just sad. And Rivera, he said, you know, Faber is his hero growing up and stuff. So, you know, and then like, he couldn't see his out of his right eye, you know, from the eye poke, John Jones. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a fight. It was a fight, and then it just went the distance. But Faber again, disappointing. But what do you expect? Okay, so. The next one was CM Punk, Mickey Gal. Now, I'm going to spend a little bit of time on this one. just But I'll cover the fight aspect first. So, uh, it was, so I predicted that Mickey Gal would knock him out two minutes and one second in. That's right. A couple minutes, but I was going to give an extra second. Gal won in a submission uh, in two minutes and 14 seconds in the first round. It was what I thought was going to be just yeah, getting his ass punk getting ass his ass handed to him and he did and the, the strategy was interesting uh punk went after gal right off the bell but gal's a jiu-jitsu fighter so he just took him down and gal in his uh, post-fight conference said it is not the fight he wanted to do because he wanted to show off his uh stand-up and then the stand-up game and then the punches but um he didn't get to do that he just like the instinct took over blah and then boom just uh got his back got him on the ground and did his thing and punk he looked really slow he's 39 mickey gal's 24 so aside from the experience the age is a huge factor too and you know punk is a like gal said a quote rudimentary unquote fighter so you know, uh, it, it is what it was, but the <laughs> lead-up certainly is very entertaining. I'll go over that in a little bit after going through the cards quickly. But the 
Mickey Gal came out to uh, Hey Mickey after Dana White said that's weak ass shit, but I thought it was fitting. I thought it was cool. And then Gallus comes off as a very marketable guy, although he only has now has three professional fights under him. Called out Sage Northcutt after. And, you know, which is kind of ironic because he said, hey, fuck the haters in the MMA. Stop hating on punk and all this uh, this uh, circus. But at the same time, fuck Sage Northcutt. Give it to me. I, I found that hypocritical. And then uh, it was funny. It was funny. <laughs> so... I, if I were Vince McMahon or Triple H, I would look after him too and say, yeah, this guy has a potential. He's got a personality. He's very marketable. And, uh, yeah, I do want to see Sage Northcutt, although he's lightweight. And Mickey Gallo is welterweight. So, yeah, I don't know. Somebody's going to either cut weight or gain some weight to do this. So, let's see. And uh, Punk, he got fucked up really bad. You know, he is right here. Was fucked up. His face is fucked up. Uh, and then the strategy was... I mean, he when he was doing the open workout and all that, he was doing a lot of takedown de- defense and all that. And he, just, he didn't use any of it, I'll be honest. And then his striking, who knows, you know? I would have... I would have... I don't know. I think he got one for a takedown, so all the stand-up and, you know, but the boxing match didn't happen. But I don't know if... Mickey wanted to show that, you know, he's an amateur fight, uh, CM and Punk, Phil Brooks is an amateur fighter, so he'll just, uh, show it, and, like, yeah, the reality happened, <laughs> it was a slaughter, I was laughing my ass off, I was Snapchatting it away, anyways, that's that, so I won't cover any further, and from a fight perspective, uh, whatever n- n- nonsensical story stuff, it is not nonsensical, but not fight related, I'll cover that after, the next fight with Fabricio Verdum versus Travis Brown. Now, Brown took this fight on a four-week notice, and last time I saw him, it was at UFC 200 when he got his ass handed to him by Cain Velasquez. Uh, I make fun of Travis Brown now because he's Ronda Rousey's boyfriend. And this fight s- definitely started with a bang. You know, Verdum going with a flying sidekick that landed on Brown's chin, and Brown, <laughs> Brown took it. And uh, I, I recorded that at the for the replay of the video. Oh man, you gotta check it out. It it, it was one of the uh, it was like a video game moment. Um, but after this, uh, Verdun went for a takedown, and then he tried this uh, crazy spin kick. I think uh, Wrestling Observers called it Jushin Liger Kopo kick, <laughs> but that missed. So basically, what is he did the front roll, and then the, he tried to land the back of his right heel onto uh, Travis Brown's face. And it missed, but I, it almost landed. And then, uh, in the, one of the exchanges, Verdum threw his right right hook, and then uh, Brown tried to block with his right his block, or he was going away, but it ended up landing on his. Uh, the punch landed on Brown's right hand, just under the thumb, right thumb, and he all of a sudden just stopped the fight. And Verdum said he saw the bone pop out. So clearly his hand broke or he got this dislo- finger got dislocated. Brown looks at the referee in the middle of the fight says, "Time out. You can't do that. You can't player con- th- this is not basketball. You cannot call a timeout in the middle of the in the middle of the match." And I was like, that's the moment I said, "What the fuck?" Like, okay, referee stops it if there's like a finger poke to the eye or something, but on a possible broken bone. I mean, if 
the referee decides that there needs to be a medical attention. Okay. You stop the fight. It's called the doctor stoppage. And the fight went downhill from here. Because clearly, Travis Brown was in no shape to fight. And and Verdum kind of went after it until the referee said stop. Which is right. And Fabricio was right. And then, you know, and then, then the second and third round looked pretty bad. But Verdum won. Um, and to be honest, Verdum looked a little slow. Uh, you know, he lost to the heavyweight champ in the main event. Stipe Miocic. In Brazil, um, and then he had a bad foot, his right foot. He has a cortisone shot, you know, fractured his right foot before the fight two months ago or something. But anyways, he won. He's the next guy in the line for sure. So uh, let's see. Um, oh, and then after the fight, uh, Brown's uh, coach Edmund Tarvadian, Tarvadian, who's also Ronda's coach, I who I think is terrible, and Ronda's mom thinks he's a bad coach too for the bad planning they had going into Holly home fight. <sighs> He said, stop making fun of crowd and all that. Verdum was doing the baby girl, you have tears, Cleveland, you know, that thing. And then and, and then the coach got mad and he said, motherfucker. And then Verdum thought, I don't know, probably thought he was saying special about Verdum's mom. So he kind of gave a front kick, but he said, no, no, no. He just wanted to give distance. <laughs> and then uh, Dana White threw everybody out of the cage. Uh, this became a... Everybody thought CM Punk thing was a freak show. This, it this event has been a freak show after after the Punk fight, which is very ironic in my opinion. So that happened. Uh, the last one, the main event of the evening, the real main event, the uh, Stipe Miocic, the heavyweight champ against Alistair Overeem. Uh, I really didn't know how this one was gonna go. I thought it would be a slugfest. And Overeem, last fight I saw was in 198 on Junior Dos Santos, knocked him out pretty bad. Uh, and Miocic, boxer, knocked out Verdum too. But uh, I gave slight edge to Overeem, despite be- this being in Cleveland. Who knows how the first defense goes, title defense goes, right? You know, jitters, nerves, all that, including the hometown thing. And Overeem came strong with a... He, he just decked them with a left, and then Miocic went down on the ground, and then Overeem went for a guillotine, but Miocic somehow got out of it. Uh, this was insane sequence, and Miocic got up, and then he tried to. He was going after Overeem, but Overeem ran away, and then you know Miocic went after him, and then the the the, the pla- Overeem's strategy clearly was don't go in too aggressively and just counterattack, 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 and uh, it didn't work. It didn't work, and then uh, it, Miocic just got his leg. <laughs> Got uh, Overeem's leg and then ground them pound away on his face, on his stomach, blah, blah. It was over. And wow, over so Overeem hurt Miocic early, but Miocic hurt Overeem pretty bad. Um, and fight ended. And uh, another freak show after that was, uh, you know, Stipe in his hometown, Cleveland, Ohio, doing the OH. I, I, I can't say it. I'm a Michigan guy. Doing that Ohio thing and the sign thing. And then. Uh, Overeem, after the fight, said, uh, you know, he thought w- during the guillotine root, uh, sequence, he thought Miocic tapped out. I didn't see it, and nobody saw it, and they, Joe Rogan said, oh, let's do the replay, and then, uh, no, clearly didn't. Uh, Miocic just had two of his hands around, uh, one of Overeem's arm, and then he tried to just pull it out, and then 
That's all he did. There wasn't any tap. And then they said, let's see the replay again. I don't see it. And then everybody started booing. And then <laughs> over him said, ah, yes, sir. What happened? I'm a better fighter, but not tonight. I wasn't a better fighter tonight. And they just walked out. That was the end of the show, but the uh, crowd was really hot. I, I felt like I was watching a wrestling show, uh, like, I don't know, SummerSlam or something. Not this year. So it was garbage this year in Brooklyn. Anyways, um, very fascinating event. Uh, it was a circus. It was a freak show in a good way. Um, it was a bit of a circus weekend in general, you know, uh, college football too. Uh, with that l- weird lateral that happened against Central Michigan against o- Oklahoma State. And the NASCAR, I saw a lot of smack talk, you know, in that thing, though, too. That's a freak show by its nature, too. Um, yeah, uh, it was a it was a good event. Now, okay, going back to the CM Punk thing, um, I I thought about recording this uh, beforehand. Now, I I want to preface it by saying I agree with all the fight fans that this should not have happened fundamentally. However, if you look at the history and the chronological event of how, why UFC took on this thing and their history in general, it's not a surprise that this happened. It was 2014 December. It was a bad year for UFC. They needed some boost going into the new calendar, fiscal calendar year, you know, in 2015. So they needed a big name and then they got punk. Um, you know, it's not like now where there's some personality like Ronda, Connor, Stipe, even uh, Robbie Lawler. You know, it took it took a while for that to pick up in 2014. So they have to get a big name guy, and it's not the first time they did this. When Brock Lesnar came over, you know, they got they gave they fed Frank Mir right to him. When one professional fight that I remember, yeah, and then uh, who else was there? Uh, Kimbo Slice, rest in peace, Milf Hunter bodyguard. Um, and then the guy who beat Kimball Slice in the first fight, the police officer from Florida, I can't remember his name. As soon as he beat Kimball Slice, he was on the scene. He got the first fight. He was, a U- he was the original YouTube star that made it to the UFC. I can't remember that police officer's name. Anyways, so this is not the first rodeo. This is like the fourth time. Oh, and then James Tony against Randy Couture. So this is the fifth time they brought in a ce- celebrity, basically, to fight. So, no, MMA fans, UFC fans, this is not... I would say this is in the same boat. And then, you know what? Put yourself in CM Punk's shoes. Would you say no? Or you're 39, and then if you have a chance to fight, like you said tonight, go along or go home, wouldn't you do it in the big stage instead of in some indie amateur fight and then get your ass beaten and then lose your market power? And then take the paycheck when you can. And then people... You know, came in to see what would happen. And the curious, curiosity factor certainly played a part. And Mickey Gal, good for him. He showed that he's a marketable star too. So it was not in a fighting sense, but for a marketing sense, it was a good thing for Mickey as well. Um, now, leading leading up to this, um, I look at it in a different perspective. If you want to look at it in a strict sport and all that term, sure. Like, this is a freak show, again. But I, I've, I admit I've been a fan of CM Punk since his indie days in Ring of Honor and whatnot. So a little bit of a backstory. So he has been a professional wrestler for, what, 15 years since the late 90s, 98, 99, in the backyards of Chicago area, from Chicago. And he worked his way through. 
and ended up in WWE system in 2005-2006. But he wasn't. He's been an indie darling, so internet loves him. Uh, but Vince McMahon or the main event people didn't really think much of him. Um, so he was scuffling around and kicking the bushes, and he finally vented in 2011 after six years with the company. Uh, it's called the famous pipe bomb speech. So I don't want to go through it. Go find it on YouTube. It's very fascinating. Uh, and he had a small run for two years, two and a half years, uh, before he quit early 2014. Uh, his main goal, as any main entertain entertainer would want, is like he wants to be the lead star on the leading show on wrestlemania which is headlining the wrestlemania main like main carding it or not even main card top of the main card um but he didn't get it for two three years that he tried and then whenever they all wwe always gave him an excuse um you know on why he doesn't get it or they always give him they feed him same program over and over with other people that he already established his position. If you want to hear more about that, go look for a Cole Cabana podcast uh, that tells his story on why he quit WWE. Now, when, I think it's a very relatable story. It's a typical story about a burnout and losing passion about something or about of your profession and work you do. So because of that, I find it very fascinating. Now, when he quit, uh he quit wrestling as a whole. He didn't go to another wrestling company. And this guy lived and died wrestling. Um, when other wrestlers watch him, like Bret Hart, you know, they see that he does little things uh, that, you know, regular people, folks like me don't see. And then they go, oh, that's a little tribute to Bret. Or that's a little tribute to Stone Cold Steve Austin in a spot during a match. And he incorporated some of the MMA moves too. Uh, or a sequence that happened. Um, so... And he put all that work into it. He's a wrestling geek and performing at the same time, but he doesn't get the credit he deserves, and he doesn't get to headline the WrestleMania. And the last thing they wanted him to do in 2014 WrestleMania was to wrestle Triple H, who he wrestled in 2011 uh, in a storyline after the pipe bomb. Uh, And when I hear a story like that, I go like, you know what why are you giving me the same thing that i already achieved you know a few years ago what am i achieving here and i guess that became the straw that broke the camel's back and he left and then you know what's he gonna do what's he gonna do and this is not the first time a wrestler walked out on a on a promotion before stone cold steve austin did it but he headlined wrestlemania with rock you know and he he's he achieved everything already he, he and he was burnt out from traveling and all that too. You have like seven events five days a week, and then you gotta pay for your own rent and all that. Anyway, I'm not gonna go into that. So he quit, and there are other wrestlers that did this too, like Chris Jericho. He quit in '05, came back three years later. Paul Heyman quit as a promoter and a creative mind. He quit in '07, '08, and then he came back when Brock Lesnar came back to WWE. That took four or five years, you know. And if you think it's just wrestling. I disagree. I think if you're working on a passion project or a work, whether you're at a startup in a, or in a small company or in a big company, you would go th- in the fast living world and the workaholic 
uh, environment and the encouraged world that we live in today, I think it's very relatable. And Punk said, fuck it, I'm going to fight. And Dana said, why do you want to fight in UFC? And I'm okay. You know what? Like, he's not getting any younger. And then, granted, I disagree with the route he took, but marketing-wise and money-wise, it made perfect sense. So I understand that side, too. And to be honest, like, when he, when he said, even tonight, like, tonight's the happiest night. And it's ironic that the place that they fought in the Quicken Loans Arena, the Q, in Cleveland, Ohio, was the place that he told Vince McMahon he quit. And then he, sh- you know, that was a story. It's like, oh, boy, Cleveland is a weird place for him. That was a place that he was supposed to debut in 07, but he didn't. And that's the place in 2014 when he walked out. He told Vince McMahon, I'm going home back to Chicago. And then he showed the room where Vince McMahon, you know, sits when he goes to arenas. Um, so it's a, is it a bad omen? I think it was, um, given how <laughs> hindsight's twenty twenty, but it, it went bad. But I think if you, if you follow the backstory, not just the fighting career over the last two years, uh, ZM Punk, Phil Brooks, um, I think it's good that he got ass he got his ass beaten. But I mean, it would have been a nicer Disney story if he won somehow, which it would have been like very impossible. But I un- I understand where that guy came from. And then I said before the fight, I think if he lost, he would have been fine too because he lost on getting something after he tried. It's not like when he was at WWE and Vince and Triple H and all these people try to not put him in the main event and keep putting Rock and Cena instead of making it into a triple threat match and all that in 2012, 13, WrestleManias. Uh, it, it, that's political roadblock bullshit he was facing. So, and he gave his all and he didn't feel that his best got him to the failure. But in this case, in tonight's fight with Mickey Gal, he gave his best with the term and the injuries that he was given the last two years. And he ended up being a rudimentary fighter. And it seemed very sadistic in a sense, but, you know, I think I get it. I think I understand why he wanted to just do this. And if he fails, he fails on his own terms. And I think that's very admirable. And it's something that we should think about, especially if we... You know, work hard and all that. You know, he's not the only one who does this. You know, people take extreme sabbaticals. Like the guy at Google, the executive VP, senior VP, who went to Kilimanjaro and said, you know what, uh, I'm going to stay another two weeks with his wife. And then, uh, you know, do all that stuff. Everybody go to Mount Everest now. It's a shit show. It's a shit trail over there. You know, especially if you're working tech, you have a lot of money and time. And then I got to I don't want that. I mean, I've had that burnout, too. You know, I'm not going to go through it, but I really, but I don't want to take that. I just say, I want to go home and just do nothing for a while. And Punk finally said, you know what? I, he's passionate about this. He's been a fan, although he hasn't been a fighter. And he took on a challenge. He got his ass handed to him. If I were him, yeah, it feels bad. But I think he's happy. And then I, I think I know where he comes from because I kind of had that moment too especially this year uh you know so anyway so from a personal life story perspective that's the way i see it and 
I don't know how many people talked about this or wrote about this. I don't I don't think anyone talked about it. So I hope this gives a pr- different perspective. Now, back to a bit of marketing and then the fight card itself. Um, and his CM Punk's now defeated career after two de- years of undefeated zero and zero record that he had. He's gonna get a second fight, I th- think. Um, you know, UFC always did this. They always put a hard opponent. Unless I don't know, maybe the way he lost tonight. I always thought he's gonna get a second fight, and Mickey Gal even tonight said he's gonna get a sec- CM Punk's gonna get a second fight, because my God, like UFC always does this, putting a tough opponent in front of the debuting guy, especially for celebrities. Same as Vince McMahon, like you know, it's like oh, I don't want to prove that WWE guy cannot look weak here, so give a weird booking. So and Dana White is a mini Vince McMahon. I don't care what people say about wrestling versus MMA. Boxing, MMA, wrestling, professional wrestling. If you're on a prize fighting promotion that's driven by individuals and characters, you're in the same business, okay? And Dana White is a mini Vince McMahon, except he has people fighting for real in the octagon cage, okay? So, from a business perspective and promotion, Punk has to get a second fight. Will it be at a pay-per-view? I don't think so. I hope it's just at a fight night early or preliminary card somewhere down the road and punk says he's gonna fight and he's gonna continue train train his training great you know uh, let him work his game oh herschel walker did this too so you know let's see what happens and if he's really passionate about it keep fighting maybe it's another two years before he fights again ronda rousey's been away forever now and i've been egging on travis brown for that he called himself a timeout today in the middle of the ring Rhonda gave herself a timeout too. A longer one. When she coming back, nobody knows. Anyways, going off tangent. So, and if Punk doesn't fight in UFC and UFC doesn't sign him for that new fight, Bellator is going to sign him. Bellator is becoming a major league soccer to Premier League, you know. So, <laughs> he's going to get a second fight. Despite how it went down tonight. So you'll see him again I think. Unless he says I'm done. And then he goes back to wrestling. Or writing comic books. Or just doing shows. Or he's a good talker. You know. So let's see how that goes. But um, yeah. And Mickey Gal. Like I said. I think he's a very marketable guy. And hopefully he <coughs> uh, rec- uh, improves his uh, fighting profile and portfolio which he tried to do with the striking game tonight but didn't happen obviously but let's see how that goes um i i i find the fast gal pretty fascinating too gal 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 it's two l's g-a-l-l so anyways um yeah hopefully that's it oh my god i kept it under 30 minutes i'm very happy i kind of cut the cm punk story short but um if you want to know more about him you know go check out the cole cabana story or is like CM Punk, why he quit, shoots on, and then a pipe bomb promotion. Just watch it. If you're an everyday corporate monkey like me or something, or if you experience the burnout, you'll feel where he came from. And I hopefully this gives you a better idea uh, as to why I found the lead up to the tonight's event fascinating. And I don't know, it's something to think about if you care about that. If you're just a. Uh, fight fans just out there it's like fight is a fight this is a sport okay go ahead do that but that's the way i looked at it poetic no but hell i think it's a good life story and then it's a good life lesson and then i applaud him applaud him for trying and you know 
having balls to get in there and get his ass kicked and stand up in front of the crowd. And to be honest, the crowd was with him, uh, surprisingly, in Cleveland. Uh, there are a lot of wrestling fans in there for sure. And, uh, you know, MMA crowd, wrestling crowd, it's the same demographic. I love watching both. I, I love both, you know, so... All right, that's it on the UFC side. Uh, and I think that will be the end of it. It'll just be the continuation. Oh, no, there's no continuation after this. Okay, bye.